Welcome to the Momentum Podcast. Our hope is to fill you with the light and life that are found in Jesus so you can shine in the world around you. A great next step if you'd like to grow in your faith is connecting to a community. We would love to help you connect at Momentum. For more information, visit MomentumSanDiego.com. Again, that's MomentumSanDiego.com. We hope you enjoy the message. A couple years ago, we were doing church, and these little invite cards were in the bulletin like they are, or on your seats like they are today. And uh, we had this cool moment where we witnessed uh, our oldest daughter jump out of the car as we were doing kindergarten drop-off, go running up to one of her friends and yell the words, Hey, I've got something for you. And she runs up, and it was her first ever, hey, would you come to church with me moment. And I'll tell you what that, uh, that Lucy nailed in that moment was the idea that when you extend a hand to somebody and you say, there's something cool going on in this place, I've got something for you. When you invite somebody into, especially a cool Sunday like the one we have coming up next week, don't forget that you have something for people. You have an amazing community to invite them into. You have an amazing truth in Jesus to bring them to. And we have tangible, living hope in him. So this is the last pep talk for the taco Sunday with the kids' costumes. Your kids wear costumes. There's taco lunch for everyone because tacos bring life. And the whole thing is about the fact that we want our kids to look back on church and go, I love that place. It was awesome there. I'm so grateful for it. So that's why we do Sundays like this. Um, You guys, we will jump headfirst into love, sex, phones, and Jesus this week. I like little tidy sentences that are really easy to remember. So if you missed the first week, here's the easy to remember sentence that goes along with this series. If you, or when you recover, it's not that easy to remember, uh, when you recover or discover a well-developed unashamed, authentic view of biblical sex and sexuality. You find answers for some of your deepest longings, substance that helps you live well and flourish in a culture soaked with sex and sexuality, and the sex life you've always longed for. Our heart and our idea and what's sitting underneath this is when you grab a hold of what the Bible has to say about sex and sexuality, you find some of your deepest needs Met. And as we are saying that, I just want to acknowledge one more time, I understand when we dig into this kind of subject matter, we're bringing up all kinds of stuff. There's past hurts, there's what used to be, there's disappointments, there's things that's happened to you, there's your past, and all of that stuff. And, and I want to tell you, that's why these little question cards are, are in your bulletin. If there's anything that is said that you're like, eh, I'm not so sure about that, or tell me more about that, or if there's something that doesn't get said, and you're like, Matt, this is going on in my life, and I want to know how God can actually help this. These are completely anonymous. You can drop them off in this box on the way out. In the last week of this series, uh, my wife Britt will be with me here, and we'll be answering questions together. Uh, It'll be a good week. She writes all my messages anyways, and so the real brains of the operation will be here, and and we want to dive into these. So I want you to help us make this series great by writing in. Take advantage of this. Uh, If there's anything on your mind or anything that you think would be worth addressing, that's what they're there for. And when you put these in that little box, it's just going to make this series that much more powerful as well. So the idea today uh, in your notes and the idea we're diving into is simply this. It's how to make 
making love happen. And we're diving into the idea of sex within the marriage relationship. And somebody, I'll just begin with this idea. Somebody, a mentor of mine, simply told me this. He said, Satan will do everything he can to get you to have sex before you are married. And he will do everything he can to get you to not have sex after you're married. And I will say, the longer I follow Jesus, the longer that I've been married, the longer that Brett and I counsel other couples, the more and more and more that appears to be true. We just moved into a new place and we bought it as a fixer upper. We knew it needed work. We needed, knew it needed all kinds of work. One of the things we did not see coming was the fact that on lots of the bedrooms, there were different door handles with different locks. Not the old fashioned. I grew up with the one with the little tiny hole in the middle of it. You remember that? And you had the little loop with the stick on it and your parents put it up on the top of the door and you could just grab that off there, poke it through the hole. Okay. We didn't have that in the house. They were actual lock and key things. And so we made these big plans to hang out with friends and they're gonna help us unpack. And the night they were there to help us, we had all our boxes in one room because we had painted and, and the kids lock their stuff in that room. And that's when I find out, we search all the doors, there's nothing. And that's when I find out there's an actual key lock on the different doors. And so as we began to fix the place up, one of the things on my list was let's get new handles around this place and make sure this is okay. And so uh, I did the supermarket sweep of Home Depot, just grabbed the first ones off the shelf. I remember them going, easy to unlock. They, got, they had a picture of a little butter knife unlocking the thing on the back. And so anyways, not too long ago, uh, Britt and I were there in the evening in our room with the door safely locked because y'all need a pastor who practices what he preaches. And um, there we are, wink, wink, and, and it's the evening, and all of a sudden we hear a little tampering with the door and the door handle, and we're like, I don't know what's going on, so we just did the duck and cover, and then out of nowhere, skipping into the room, comes the four-year-old going, I can unlock your door with my thumbnail. I can unlock your door with my thumbnail. Satan will do everything he can to get you to not have sex after you're married. I just didn't know my children would be his minions. And, and so here, we're gonna, here we go. We're going to dive in biblical sex, sexuality, how to actually make making love happen. In your notes, you can fill in as we go. We're going to begin with a biblical foundation. What did God intend sex for within marriage? Number one is simply this. It is intended for pleasure. It is intended for pleasure. Pleasure. This is a little review from last week as well. If you go to our next verse right here uh, in the notes, Song of Songs, verse 5, there's this young married couple. They're about to make love. They are in the process. It's their wedding night, and they're singing over one another. They're making love with one another, and they're singing over the whole thing is God. Eat, friends, and drink. Drink your fill of love. And he's saying sex like a nice meal, like a well-made red wine is intended to be savored and enjoyed. God made the human body as it is, male and female, both with the capability of experiencing great sexual pleasure. There's a part in the female body. It has no reproductive purposes. It has no evolutionary purposes. It simply exists 
for pleasure. And, and God intended sex to be a pleasurable activity for both men and women. What else is there? God's purposes for sex in marriage is soul sinking. This is again a little bit of review, but the way Bible describes sex in Genesis early on is the two becoming one flesh. That was that Hebrew phrase, ekad bara. It's the souls being mingled together. The idea is that in sex, the deepest parts of who you are, your emotional world, your soul and, and psyche get mingled together with the soul of your loved one. And, and I'll bring up a point from last week that I've heard repeated back to me several times. In marriage, you may need to have sex most when you feel like it the least. What did we mean when we said that? We said it's so common now for people to be out of sync and out of rhythm in their relationship. And, and one of the things to go when a couple is out of sync in their relationship is the sex life. But if sex truly is, if the Bible says sex bonds your soul with another person, then maybe in times when you're out of orbit, sex could be the best thing to bring you back in orbit with one another. Um, this one is not review. We didn't talk about it last week, but another purpose is simply this, marriage protection. A healthy, vibrant, robust sex life keeps the marriage protected and holy. In 1 Corinthians verse 7, Paul writes with these instructions. He says, do not deprive each other except by mutual consent for a time so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. But then what does he say? Then come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. What is he talking about? He's saying, be sure in marriage you are nurturing a vibrant sex life to avoid temptation. That is 2,000 years ago and it is still true today. Temptation is real. When you look at the pornography stats, it's not just men anymore. It started that way, but it's for both. When you look at extramarital affairs, Christian people and non-Christian people are having the amount, same amount of extramarital affairs. I think part of the reason is because people are afraid to talk about sex in the church. And no one is saying, God has given you this gift for protecting your marriage, for creating a healthy and whole, strengthened and fortified relationship, which is what God always had in mind. Now, here's the million dollar question. How do you actually make that happen, right? Like, you know, I'm getting it. You're, maybe you were here last week. I'm tracking. Wow, the Bible paints sex as this wonderful gift and it's amazing. The sparks fly. There's clearly all these benefits. But then in 2019, in day-to-day -day life, when there's honors classes and kids' homework to help with and you run a shuttle out of your minivan and in a part of town where it requires two different incomes and a lot of households just to make things work, if you're aging and things don't work like they used to necessarily, if changes are happening, or if you're just in a sexual rut, you could look at all this stuff and say, okay, nice talk, preacher boy, but this is real life. And something's not working. How do you fix it? I believe the Bible has answers. Now, really quick, 
If you're a student and you're in here or, or whatever and you listen to this, number one, I believe you're ready for this talk. Number two, there's a part of you going like, la, 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 la. I don't want to know what my parents are going to be up to. Um, I'm just telling you, if somebody would have told me what we're about to cover in this talk, it would have changed the first five years of my marriage. And this is the stuff that I wish somebody would have told me. This is the stuff that's so different than what's in a magazine or in pop culture that actually works in real life. And so that's where we're going. Just keep the, okay, this will be on YouTube as long as there is a YouTube. So one day you're like, what was that thing he was saying? I could use this. It'll be there and you can go back to this and it's your reference tool. The rest of us, I just believe the Bible is full of truth and life and there's a lot we can gain from it. So we're just going to talk about biblical foundations for healthy sex in marriage. Point number one is simply this. It begins with rich communication. Rich communication, rich communication. We're going to actually jump back into Song of Songs for the rest of the morning, and we're going to study this interaction that goes on between this young married couple. We're going to see what we can learn from them about a rich love life today. I want you to observe the rich communication between him and her, her and him. We're going to start with what the man says in this relationship. He says this, turn your eyes from me. They overwhelm me. Your hair, oh my gosh, your hair, it is like a flock of goats descending from Gilead. This is rich, right? Your teeth are like a flock of sheep coming up from washing. Each has its twin. Girl, you ain't missing no teeth, and I like that about you. Your temples behind your veil are like the halves of a pomegranate. Sixty queens there may be, and eighty concubines, and virgins beyond number. None of them matter, none of them. But my love, my perfect one is unique, the only daughter of her mother, the favorite of the one who bore her. Listen to this guy spitting gang. You want to slide into some DMs. I'm telling you, your teeth are not missing, girl. But do you know what he's doing? What do we see? We see a man that celebrates his wife according to who she is specifically. We see a man who celebrates his wife according to who she is specifically. Now, it's interesting here. He goes, there's all these girls. You are the only one for me. You are perfect. Now, have you ever seen anybody who's actually perfect? There's another, part, there's another part of this text, and he goes, you are flawless. Have you ever seen somebody who's actually flawless? How is he able to say this and mean it? I'll tell you how. Because for him, she is his standard of beauty. Guys, don't miss this one, okay? This is important. When you get married... Your wife becomes your standard of beauty. The reason he's able to speak to this woman honestly and say, there's no one else for me and mean it sincerely is because he made a choice to make her his standard for beauty. And when you get married in a biblical marriage, if that's your foundation, your wife becomes your standard of beauty. Whatever she is, is your new bullseye. If she's thick, you're into thick. If she's dark skin, you like dark skin. If she's tall, you're into tall. Blonde, you're into blonde. Whatever she is, is the new it for you. Nothing else. And I'll tell you something. That is the beginning of intimacy. 
Because here's what happens. Here's what's common. It's common for men to develop a standard of beauty outside their wife and then impose it on her. It's common to, you know, this is why we say, don't look at porn. This is why we say, careful with your eyes. This is why we say, unfollow those scandalous accounts. Because here's what happens. You develop a standard of beauty that is not her. You will eventually import it into your marriage and begin to impose it on her. And then the imposition becomes pressure. And a pressured wife is an insecure wife. And insecurity does not breed intimacy. Security does. So he says, you, specifically you, exactly as you are now, is it for me. He compliments her and lifts her up because she is his standard. In case you didn't get the message yet, guys, your woman in marriage is your standard of beauty. And that's it. No pressuring her, no changing her. You celebrate her. And it is the beginning of intimacy. Now this young woman is not to be outdone. Listen to her, Song of Songs 2, verse 3. Like an apple tree among the trees of the forest is my beloved among the young men. I delight to sit in his shade and his fruit is sweet to my taste. Let him lead me to the banquet hall. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. And let his banner over me be loved. Let my beloved come into his garden and taste of its choice fruits. What do we see here? We see a woman who openly expresses her sexual desire for her husband. We see a woman who openly expresses her sexual desire for her husband. This is um, Top Gun. Is, is it, what's the, is it Kate McGillis? Help me out here. It's not Meg Ryan. Who's the other one? Is it McGillis? Yes. Something like that? Okay. You know the line? This is the Top Gun principle. Maverick, you big stud. Take me to bed or what? Or lose me forever. Okay. I'm not implying Top Gun is where we should look for advice on sex, love, and dating. I'm saying there's something in this passage to be lifted up there. You see a woman who makes her husband feel wanted and desired. And a lot of the reading I did, you talk to a lot of counselors, and one of the things that puts men down so much or deflates them is feeling like they are the only one who wants sex and initiates it. And it deflates them. And what we see here is some simple, spicy language to keep the love fire burning hot goes a long way. It's sending him that text message when he's at work. It's slipping the note in the lunchbox, if you still have a lunchbox. I don't know. You know, it's finding ways to whisper in his ear at the end of the wedding reception. And look at me, ladies. It does not take much. I'm not kidding. Uh, we, uh, we had our anniversary uh, last week, and so I rolled by Britt's hospital. She works at a hospital. She was working on the anniversary day, brought the kids up there, had the suit on and some flowers. It was great. And she, you know, we, you know, hey, love you. And we got to say hi and all this stuff. And, 
she, uh, I didn't know this. She posted on Facebook. And you know how it is. Like, you get on Facebook and you're in something. And you're like, oh, cool. How neat. And, um, and so there we are in the comments. And I'm just, I glance at it. And one of the comments is like, oh, girl, that hashtag. Da, 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 da. I'm like, okay, what's in the hashtag? I didn't read this. I was just like, there we are. And then I was like, uh, wow, it's been 12 years. Butterflies, even after 12 years. Hashtag married up. Hashtag, you just wait till I get home. <laughs> I read that. I was like, wait a second. That's me. <laughs> and it worked. And it's simple. And it keeps the relationship from just becoming functional domestic partners who are dividing up responsibilities. It keeps the love alive and it matters. On top of that, okay, that's guys, that's girls. As a couple, you need a live active dialogue that's grace-centered about what works and does not work in your sex life. You've got to talk about it. I read all kinds of counselors are like, couples come to me to talk about sex. I just tell them if they'd be talking more about sex, then we'd have less problems. You've got to talk, not in the moment. Remember we talked last week about how sensitive this is, but it's time set aside where you talk about interests, what you like, what you're into, what you're not into, time of day, all kinds of things related. You have to have communication. Ladies, when you want to try that new thing that your friend tried, don't just force him into it by trying it and, and forcing him. Talk to him about it. He's sensitive. Guys, at night when she can't keep her hands off you, don't just swat her away. She's got needs. And you've got to talk about all of that. All kidding aside, there should be regular communication. We see it in scripture. Do you have homework? If you're a married couple, there's this hot talk sheet. And your homework this week is to set aside a time where you fill this out and he fills this out. And you have a conversation together about your love life. Because communication works. Um... Let's go back into scripture. Follow me back into Song of Songs 5, 1 through 5. I want you to observe the yellow words in this passage for a second. I've come into my garden, my sister, my bride. I've gathered my myrrh with spice. I've eaten my honeycomb and my honey. I've drunk wine and milk. I slept, but my heart, this is her now. I slept, but my heart was awake. Listen, my beloved is knocking. Open to me, my sister, my darling, my love, my flawless one. My head is, here it is, this is the, this is the woman now. Uh, my head is drenched with dew, my hair with the dampness of night. I have taken off my robe, must I put it on again? I have washed my feet, must I soil them again? My beloved thrust his hand through the latch opening, and my heart began to pound for him. Do you know what the yellow writing is there? preparation language. That's the next principle from scripture. Intentional preparation. Intentional preparation. You want to nurture a vibrant love life and marriage, it requires intentional preparation. You know, culture is so quick to show you this steamy scene and this couple just gets overcome with emotion and in the heat of passion, they make love and then the camera goes and the show's over. But that's not how real life works. And it's not a great picture of how you actually nurture intimacy. 
Great preparation is something that works. There's a few sub points here. Great preparation begins before the bedroom. Great preparation begins before the bedroom. Great book called Intended for Pleasure. You have a reference to it in your note sheet if you want it later. There's a quote that says this, everything that happens in a marriage has its effect on the lovemaking experience. And we've been talking about how sex is this mingling of souls that takes place between the deepest parts of you and the deepest parts of them, which means when you're caring for your spouse emotionally and meeting their needs, that's a part of preparing for a great love life. So there's that old stereotype of, you know, a woman needs to be connected with and eye contact and to share her heart and have it received and somebody she can lean on. And it's true. And it's important. And there's that stereotype about guys have paper thin egos and they need a woman who lifts them up and makes them feel important and doted over and the whole thing. And it's true. And it's important. There's that cliche that respect is the best aphrodisiac. And it's true. And it's important. And all of those caretaking things within the relationship between you emotionally matter because you build on top of that. On top of that is where a vibrant sex life comes in. B in the little notes there is you prepare for sex according to your spouse's desires. You prepare accordingly. Um, one of the books, uh, it, all the references here are down in this note sheet, but there's one called Have a New Sex Life by Friday by Dr., um, by Dr. Kevin Lehman. And he points out there's four languages of sexual excitement. There's visual, that's sight, you know, clean rooms, nice candles, a spouse that's attentive to their appearance. There's kinesthetic, that's touch, nice sheets, a foot rub, holding hands in public and cuddling on the couch. Auditory, that's compliments, seductive talk, romantic language, and appreciation. Relational, that's emotional care, talking about thoughts, concerns, feelings, and staying current and updated in one another's lives. And, and, and in a marriage, your significant other has one of these that matter most to them. And being a great spouse and nurturing a great love life is, is, is about knowing what that is in your spouse and then, and then meeting them where they're at and preparing accordingly. And that's in your conversation sheet. That's important that you dialogue as a couple about what that is for each of you. Because I'll just tell you functionally, come on, we're all tired, right? Like life's exhausting. And, and if, you, if you're pouring into the wrong one of these, you're just wasting time. Like if, 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 if you've been cleaning the home and you just vacuum everything in three hours and scrubbing so she could come into this nice place and all she actually needs is a foot rub to be in the, in the mood, you know, like you're just wasting your time on the cleaning. If you're trying to engage him and this conversation is just deep and right and rich and all the stuff and actually all he needs is you just to be wearing them yoga pants when he comes home. Just put on the pants. Sorry, we're just going there, y'all. It's going to get worse before it gets better. <laughs> you learn your, you learn, here's what I'm saying. You learn your spouse. You learn what works for them. And then you honor them and serve them by being good at it. Um, C, you schedule sex on your calendar. You schedule sex on your calendar. I understand that's the least sexy thing, right? 
Like, then you're not going to be like on deployment with the boys and it's locker room talk. And they're like, yeah, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, well, yeah, me and the missus like to get out our laptops on Wednesday and really sync up. Can't wait for Friday. But it works. And no, it's not sexy. But you know what else is not sexy? Not having sex is not sexy. And with intentional planning and preparation, you can be ready. Okay, it's Thursday. We know on Thursday we're going to make microwave meals for the kids. Nobody's going to be tired from cooking. There's no dishes to clean up. We'll get ice cream, grind up some Benadryls, give it to the kids. It's 8 p.m. They'll be asleep. We got energy and life's good. I'm just kidding. Um, I would never condone giving your kids microwave meals. Um, but, but you plan. And I'm joking so we can make it through this together, but I hope you see this is what really works. And it matters. This is crazy. Okay, there, there was a study uh, about couples, married couples who were in a sexual rut. And a counselor tried this experiment with his couples. And he said, I want you to find a rock, like a literal R-O-C-K. And he goes, Here, here's what, when, when either of you wants to have sex, you take the rock and you put it on your partner's nightstand. And the agreement between the two of you will be, within 48 hours of seeing the rock, you make love. So he would put the rock out and within 48 hours, or she would put the rock out and within 48 hours. And the success rate and improvement in these couples' sex life is like through the roof. And like a month goes by and they don't need the rock anymore because they realize there's more to it than just having a need and saying, do this. And couples learn to communicate, give each other space, give each other time, give each other margin. And the sex life flourishes under those conditions. Three, it's selflessness, you guys. It's being and becoming more selfless. Song of Songs, six, two through three. It says, my beloved has gone down to his garden, to the beds of spices, to browse in the gardens and to gather lilies. I am my beloved's and my beloved is mine. He browses among the lilies. The picture of sex that they paint for us is two people giving themselves to one another. She invites him in selflessly. He gives himself to her carefully and selflessly. And I think that's what matters. I'll ask you some questions. Do selfless lovers ever pressure, guilt, shame, intimidate, threaten, or pout to get what they want? Now, and I will add to that, have sex most when you feel like it the least thing. That is not an excuse for men to stand on these biblical things and go, you owe this to me, so you better. No, the biblical command is to live selflessly, gently, to pursue your wife, to woo her, to care about her, and to fight for her. Second question, do selfless lovers only do what they want when they feel like doing it? You know, another thing that keeps couples stuck often is that I'm not in the mood, it's not the right moment myth. 
And a great article uh, that I found has this quote, and it says, couples who have great sex realize that sex is essentially like physical communication. Instead of using your mouth to verbally communicate, sex is a physical way to use your body to communicate to your spouse, I love you, you're sexy to me, and I trust you. So in the same way your spouse needs to hear, I love you, even when you're not in the mood to say it, sometimes they need sex to communicate on that, to communicate that love on a deeper level, even when you aren't in the mood. That's selflessness. Third question, have you ever seen a relationship fail because there was too much selfless love? You haven't, and I haven't either. And that's why I would honestly tell you, principle number four, you don't even have to, there's no blank in your notes. I just want your, your attention. Number four is this, follow Jesus and be transformed by him. One of the greatest things that could happen to all your relationships, your sexual relationship with your spouse as well, is to be transformed by Christ. If sex is more than just bodies and it's about your soul, having your soul rescued, restored, redeemed, and made alive by Christ is one of the greatest things that could happen to you. Jesus helps. Jesus helps because if you're insecure about your body, the only real security you're gonna find comes from looking at God's unlimited acceptance of you through Jesus. If you have a sexual history that casts a shadow over your present relationships, you need Jesus to show you that you are truly forgiven and the slate is really clean. If you're selfish and you can't see it, you need Jesus to show you that life is found in giving your life away. If you're addicted to porn, there are chains in your life that can only be broken by Christ. If you've been abused, you need the ongoing redemptive work of Jesus to put your soul back together and show you it's gonna be okay. If you have expectations for yourself and for others that are crushing your intimate life, you need Jesus and the truth that's found in him to bring you back to reality. If you feel like you've blown it because of some mistake you need the true source of lasting forgiveness that is found in a savior who came and died to make you new. There's no attractive way I can say it. Jesus is life. And when you follow him, every part of your life you surrender to him, he makes more alive. So I will continue to invite you to follow Jesus, to give him your life and to become more alive in the process. Let's pray. God and Father, we want you. We want your truth bringing us to life. We want your word to be our true north and our compass. We want your spirit to transform us. God, over relationships and future relationships, we pray that your spirit would just take these lessons and set them in our hearts. That, that you would bother us and refuse to let us accept less than what you want for us. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.
Love you guys. Hey, remember, we got Costume Sunday for kids next week, taco party as well after service. Uh, be sure you bring friends. Be sure you drop your connection card off. Be sure you fill out those cards. Be sure you have a great week. Love you guys. We'll catch you later. See you. Thanks again for listening. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel, subscribe to the podcast, and download the Momentum app from your app store. See you next week.